Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Restaurant at the end of the universe, chapter 7. While we stood at the end of the bridge corridor, he was not in fact a particularly small robot. He saw a body gleaned in the dusty sunbeams. The ship was a continual barrage, with building was still undergoing. He didn't have a look pitiful, small, gigantic black tank rolled to halt in front of him. The tank examined him with a probe. Probe withdrew. Alvin stood still. Out of my way, little robot growled a tank. I'm afraid, said Marvin, but I'm, I've been left here to stop you. The probe extended again for a quick recheck, and it drew again. You stop me, roared the tank. Go on. No, really, I have, said Marvin simply. What are you done with? Roared the tank in disbelief. Guess, said Marvin. The tank engines rumbled, general gears ground, microscope go. Size electronic relays deep in micro brain flip backward and forward in concentration. Guess said the tank. Zee Freud and a yet unnamed man lurched up one corner, down a second, long third, the building continued to rock and shudder. This puzzled visit Zee put. If they would, if they wanted to blow the building up, why was it taking so long? Definitely to reach one of the number of Totally anonymous unmarked doors and heaved at it. With a sudden jolt, it opened and they fell inside. All this way, thought Zephyrhoid, all this trouble, all this not lying on the beach, having a wonderful time, and for what? A single chair, a single desk, and a single dirty ashtray in an uncovered decorated office, the desk, apart. From a bit of dancing dust and single revolutionary full, new form of paper, clip was empty. Where, said Zephyrhoid, is Zephyrhoid, feeling that he's already turned his grasp of the point. With his old exercise beginning to slip. He's on an intergalactic cruise, said the man. Zephyrhoid tried to seize a man, size a man up. Oh, that's tight, he thought. Not a barrel of laughs. He probably would have a fair whack of time, time, running up and down, heaving, heaving, heaving corridors, breaking their doors and making cryptic remarks in empty offices. Let me introduce myself, the man said. My name is Roster, and this is my tail. Hello, Roster, said Zephyr Freud. Hello, tail. He looked at Zephyr, hold out to him a rather nasty old flurry tail, not knowing what to do with that. It. He shook it by the corner. Outside the window, one of the huge sub-like gun metal green spaceships growled past. Yes, go on, 
said Marvin, with a huge battle which the huge battle machine. You'll never forget. Mmm, said the machine, vibrating, uncustomed fault. Laser beams? Marvin Rule shook his head suddenly. No, muttered the machine, and done deep grunt of rumble. Too obvious. And you met a ray? He has did. Far too obvious, astonished Marvin. Yes, grumbled the machine. Somewhat abashed. Ah, uh, what about an electronic ram? There's a new to Marvin. What's that? He said. One of these, it was a machine with enthusiasm. When it turned to merge a sharp prong, it spat a single lethal blaze. I like, behind Marvin, whoa, roared and collapsed. He was dust. The dust bellowed briefly, then settled. No, said Marvin, not one of those. Good, though, isn't it? Very good, said Marvin. I know, said her folks, but machine, after another moment's consideration, you must be one of those new sonic resurrection. The invasers are Zeon emitters. Nice, aren't they, said Marvin. That's what you got, said the machine, considered the war. No, said Marvin. Okay, said the machine, disappointed. Then it must be, you're thinking along the wrong lines, said Marvin. You're falling to take into account. So it's fairly basic in the relationship between man and robots. Oh, I know, said the machine, battle machine. Is it? Uh, it trailed off before again. Just think, said Marvin. You know, you left it only men or robots to stop you. Gigantic, heavy-duty, battle machine. Well, you ran off to, well, he ran off to save himself. What do you think they would do? Why would you think they'd leave me? What do you think they left me with? Oh, muttered the machine alarm. Something pretty damn devastating, I would expect. Expect, said Martin. Oh, yes, expect. I'll tell you what they gave me to protect myself. Where shall I? Yes, all right. Said the machine, bracing itself. Nothing, said Melvin. It's a dangerous pause. Nothing? Murdered my battle machine? Nothing at all, intoned Melvin dismally. No, the tragic sausage machine heaved about with fury. Why didn't that, that take the biscuit? It roared. Nothing, huh? Just think of it, do they? Don't think, do they? And me, said Marvin, a low, soft, low voice. This is terrible pain, and all of do the do the rose down my left side. Make you spit, spit. Does it? Yes, cried Melvin with feeling. Hell, that makes me angry, better machine. Think I smashed that wall down. The electronic ram stabbed. Out another stirring blaze of light and took a little wall next to the machine. How do you think I feel? said Melvin brittly. Just run, run off and leave, left you, didn't they? She even found it. Yes, said Melvin. I think I'll shoot the bloody ceiling off as well. Where the tank? It took the ceiling out of the bridge. That's very impressive, muttered Melvin. You haven't seen nothing yet, probably machine. I can take out the whole floor, this floor, no trouble. He took out the floor too. Held by the machine, roared. It's probably did 15 stories and smashed itself. Bits of ground below. What a depressing, stupid machine, said Marvin, and trudged away. Chapter 8. So, will you just sit here, or what? said Zephoid angrily. What do these guys out here want? You be the books, said Rosalita. 
They are going to take you to the Folkstar, the most totally evil world in the galaxy. Oh, yeah, says Ifrid. Oh, and they've come, and you have come to get me first. They have, they have come and got you, says Rosia. Look at the window. Seafred looked and griped. The ground's going away, grass. Where are they taking the ground? They're taking the building, says Rosier. It's airborne. There's straight, straight out past the office, office window. Out in the open air against the game. So Fred could see the ring of dark green frog star fighters round the uprooted tower of the building. A network of false beams radiated in them and held the tower in a firm grip. Superfoy shook his head imperfectly. What have I done to deserve this, he thought. I walk in the building, they take it away. It's not what you've done they're worried about, said Rosie. It's what you're going to do. Well, don't don't I get a say in that? You did years ago. You better hold on. We're all we're in for a fast and bumpy ride. Journey. If I ever meet myself, said Freud, I'll hit myself so hard I won't know who hit what's hit me. Marvin trudged in through the door, looked at Seafood accusingly, slumped in the corner and switched himself off. On the bridge of the Hotel Gold, all was silent. Arthur stared at the rack in front of him and thought he caught Trillian's eyes. She looked at him incredibly. He looked back at the rack. Finally saw it. He picked up the five small plastic squares, laid them on the board, and laid them in front of the rack. Four squares on them in five letters. E Q X Q U I. He laid the next to letters. C-S-I-T-E, exquisite, he said. A triple word score. Scores were a lot, I'm afraid. The ship bumped and scattered some of the letters from the ninth time. Trading aside and started to sort them out again. Up and down the side corridors. Echo pulled Prefix's feet. He stalked the ship's thumping dead instruments. Why did the ship keep shaking, he thought? Why did it rock and sway? Why could he not find where they were? Where, basically, were they? The left-handed tower of Hutchoker's Guide to Galaxy offices streaked through into such a space at speed, never equaled either before or since by any other office block in the universe. In a room halfway up, was Ethan Void Vitabox strode angrily. Esther sat on the edge of the desk, doing some routine tower maintenance. Hey, where did you say this building was flying to? demanded Zephyr. The folk star, said Ruta say. A most totally evil place in the universe. Do they have food there? said Zephyr. Food? You're going to go you're going to see the folk star. You worry about whether you got they got food? Uh, food. I may not make it to the folk star. Out of the window, they could see nothing but the flickering light of the false beams, a vague green streaks which were presumably the sort of shapes of frog star or the fighters. At this speed, space itself was invisible, indeed, unreal. Here, suck this, said Rosier, offering Zephyrid's tail. So if they stood him, he expected a cuckoo to leap out of his forehead and a small spring. It soaked in nutrients, explained Rosier. 
What's he, what are you, a messy eater or something? The avid Yellow stripes are high in protein. The green ones are high for vitamin D, a C complexes. The little pink flowers contain very geometric strips. The avid took and looked in amazement. What are the brown stains? He asked. Barbecue sauce, said Rossier. For what I, well, when I'm sick, wheat germ. So Fred sniffed it doubtfully, even more doubtfully. We sat the corner. He spread it out again. Ah, he stated. Yes, said he goes there. Well, I had to suck the end. I really need to suck the other end a bit too. Why, said Superford. Especially, what is what's in that? Antidepressant, said Rosier. I'd gone right off this town, you know. I'd gone right off this town. You know, said he, Freud, handing it back. Rosie took it back from him, swung himself off the deck, walked round it, sat on a chair, and pulled his feet up. Bit of box, he said, sticking his hand behind his head. You know that? Any idea what's going to happen to you, the fox star? They're going to feed me, Harris shouted, hopefully. They're going to feed you, said Rosie, into a totally perspective vortex. Joe Freud had never heard of this. He believed he had heard of all the fun things in Galaxy. He assumed that the total perplexive vortex was not fun. He asked Rosé what it was. Only, said Rosé, the most savage psychic torture a sentient being can undergo. Zephyrford nodded a resigned nod. So, he said, no food, huh? Listen, said Rosé urgently. You can kill a man, destroy his body, break his spirit, but only a total perspective vortex can annihilate a man's soul. And treatment lasts seconds. Effects last for the rest of your life. You never had a prime galactic Google Blaster? Asked Zofred sharply. That's his worst. Cooey, admitted Zofred. Zofred, even more, much oppressed. Any idea why these guys want it to do this to me? He added a moment later. They believe... It'll be much better destroying you forever. They know what you they know what you're after. Could you drop me a note and let me know as well? You know, said Rose, you know, boat to books, you want to meet the man who rules the universe. Can he cook, said Zoverfroid, affectionately added. I doubt if he can. If he could, he'd cook a good meal. You wouldn't What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Worry about the rest of the universe. I want I want to meet a cook. Let's see how I sighed heavily. What are you doing here anyway, the money's over for it. What's all this got to do with you? I just want those who plan this thing. Long with Zephyrfort, long with you were in Red X, long with your great grandfather, long with the Beetlebot. You Beetlebot, me? Yes, but I told you. Yes, but I've told you, change, you ch- had changed. You realize how much, but I'm here to do one job. I will do it before I leave you. What job? What are you talking about? I'll do it before I leave you. Rosio lapsed into impregnable silence. Zephyr Void was terribly glad. Chapter 9. The air around the second planet 
The folk-style system was stale and wholesome. The adrenaline winds were swept, continuing over its surface, swept of a salt flat, dried up much marshland, tangled, rotting vegetation, and crumbling remains of ruined cities. No one, no life moved across its surface. A ground like the many planets of this planet, part of the galaxy, had long been deserted. The howl of the wind was desolate, enough to disgust. Gusted for the old decaying houses of the critic cities, was desolate. It whipped about the bottoms of tall brown towers, black towers, that swayed uneasily here and there about the surface of its world. By the end of these towers lived colonies, a large, scarce, scary, evil swimming birds, the sole survivors of civilization, had once lived here. The howl of the wind was it most was it most desolate. However, when it would pass through over a pimple of a place set in the middle of a wide grey plain on the outskirts, largest of the abandoned cities, a pimple of that place was a thing that earned his world the reputation of being the most totally evil place. That it was simply a steel dome about thirty feet across, but within was something more monstrous than a mind can comprehend. About a hundred yards or so away, Separated from it by a pen pocket mart and blasted stretch of the whole most barren land imaginable was the most probably what would put most would probably most have been described as landing pad of salts. It is said that it is to say the scattered over languages area where the Mangany hawks of two or three dozen crash landing buildings flitting over around these buildings. The mind, a mind that was waiting for something, mind directed its attention to the air, and for a very long a distant speck appeared and surrounded by a ring of smaller specks. The largest speck was the, the left tower of the Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy office building, descending through the stratosphere of Fox Star World to be. The ascended Rossier suddenly broke the long and comfortable silence. Growing up between the two men, he sat up and grabbed his towel into a bag. He said, Peter Box, I will now do the duty job. I said he'd lose. If I'd looked at him from where he was sitting in the corner, sharing unspoken thoughts with Marvin. Yeah, he said, the building was shortly be landing. When you leave the building, don't let go out of the door, let do- out of the door, Rossier. Go out of the window. Good luck, he added, and walked out of the door, disappearing for Zephyr's life as mysteriously as he entered it. Zephyr leaped up, leapt up, and tried the door, but Rossi had already locked it. He shrugged and returned to the corner. Two minutes later, a building crashed landed amongst other wreckage. It escorted frog style fighters that deactivated their force beams and soared off into the air again. Bound for frog style world A, on another altogether more congenial spot. It never landed in Foxtorf, well, B. No one did. No one ever walked on its surface, other than intended victims, a total perspective vortex. Zephyr was badly shaken by the crash. It lay there for a while when the silent, rusty bottle reached most of the room had been reduced. He felt like he was the lowest ebb he had ever reached in his life. He felt bewildered, felt lonely, he felt unloved. Eventually, he was left, felt he ought to get whatever it, it was, Get 
with it, it was over with. He looked around the cracked and broken room. A wall was split round the door frame. The door frame hung open. The window by some miracle was closed and unbroken. For a while he hesitated. Why he thought that he was strange and recent companion had been through all that, that he'd been, had been through just to tell him. He told him there must be a good reason for it. And rather than help, if I was helping get the window open, outside it was a cloud of dust around, surrounded by a crash and hunks of other buildings of which one was surrounded effectively very zivified, seeing anything about outside. But this has not concerned him and Julie. His main concern we saw we looked down, Zivaford's office was on the fifteenth floor. The building had landed on a tilt by 45 degrees, but still the stent looked heart-stopping. Eventually, stunned by a continuous series of contemptuous looks, above and appeared to be giving him, he took a deep breath and clambered out of the steeply inclined side of the building. Marvin followed him, and together they began to crawl slowly and painfully down the 15 floors, separating them from the ground. He crawled the dank air, and dust smoke choked his lungs. His eyes smarted terrific distance down, made his head spin. Occasional remark from Marvin, the order of, This is the sort of thing. You drive firms of joy, is it? I asked many for information. Did little to prove his state of mind. Of halfway down the side of the shattered building, he stopped to rest, seeing to Zephyrpod, Zephyrpod, and he lay there panting with fear and exhaustion. And Marvin seemed to make more cheerful than usual, but she realized that this wasn't so. Robert seemed cheerful in comparison with his own mood. A large, scraggy black bird came flapping through this slow, though through the slowly settling clouds of dust and stretching down to its scrawny legs, landed on an inclined window edge, a couple of yards from Zephyrwood, felt his ungainly wings and tivered, tivered, oakly on the perch of wing van. Wingfan must have been something like six feet. His head and red neck seemed curiously large for a bird. His face was flat and beak undeveloped, and halfway along its underside, its wings of thin vertebrates, saying him hand-like, could be clearly seen. In fact, it looked human, almost human. It turned its heavy eyes on Zifferwood and clicked its beak in its extraordinary fashion. Go away, said Zifferwood. Okay, muttered the bird, morosely, flapped it off in the dust again. Zifferwood watched the departure of the movement. Did the bird just talk to me? He asked Marvin nervously. He was quite impaired to believe in terms of expansion. He was in fact hallucinating. Yes, confirmed Marvin. Poor souls, said a deep, infernal voice over his ear. Twisting round violently, found a source of voice nearly cruel. So he fell fall off his building, of the building. He grabbed savagely a protruding window, fitting and cut his hand on it. He hung on, breathing heavily. A voice had no vo- visible source, whatever. There was no one there. Never as he spoke again. A tragic history behind them, you know. A terrible blight. See, so Fulford looked wildly about. The voice was deep and quiet. The other circumstances would be even described as smoothing. However, nothing smoothing 
about being abducted by a disembodied voice out of nowhere, particularly when you when you are like Sufred Beatbox, not your best, and hanging from a ledge, H furried up a crashed building. Hey, um, you stammered. Shall I tell you that there's story? Inquired the voice quietly. Hey, who are you? Said the panties of void. Where are you? Later then, perhaps. Prepared the voice. And granted, uh, I am a custodian, a total perceptive overtax. Why can't I see? You'll find your progress down the building greatly facilitated. Voice lifted. If you move about two yards to your left, why don't you try it? So if I looked, I saw a series of small, short, surrounded grooves leading off the way down, side the bulking building. Grady shifted himself across to them. Why didn't I see them? Uh, why didn't I see you again at the bottom? Why didn't I? I don't. Why don't see you at the bottom? Again, the bottom to the voice in his ear, and it spoke. It faded. Hey, called Silverford. Where are you? It take you a couple of minutes," said a voice very faintly. "Robin," said Silverford. "I see the robot squatting directly next to him." Did that voice just yes? Marvin replied tersely. Silverford nodded. He took out the pearl sensitive sunglasses again and completely back. But now, completely badly scratched by the unexpected metal object pocket, you put them on, he would find. Way down the building, more comfortably. He didn't actually have to look at what he was doing. Many ladies clambered over the ripped and mangled foundations of the building, and once more removing his sunglasses, he dropped to the ground. Marvin joined him a moment or so later, went and lay face down in the dust, wobbled from which position he seemed to decline to move. Ah, oh, here you are. There you are, said the voice suddenly. So for his ear, excuse me for leaving you like that. It's just that I was terrified, terrified for heights. At least, he said wistfully, and wistfully, I did have a terrible head for heights. So if I looked around slowly and carefully, just to see if he had missed something, which might be the source of the voice, we saw, however, was the dust, the rubble, and the towering hunks of the side-growing buildings. Hey, um, why can't I see you? He said. Why aren't you here? I am here, said the voice slowly. Why well, you wanted to come? It's too busy in a moment. Things to do, people to see. Oh, that seemed like a sort of ethereal sigh added. You know how it is with bodies. Zuvoid so wasn't sure about this. I thought I did, he said. I only hope he's gone for a true rescuer, continued the voice. That way he's been living recently. It must have, must be on last elbows. Elbows? Zuvoid? So don't, don't you mean legs? The voice said nothing for a while. Zuvoid looked around uneasily. He didn't know if he had gone. Was still there. What he was doing. Then the voice spoke again. Oh, so you put, uh, are to be put in the roof text. Yes, oh, well, says Zeefoid. A poor attempt of nonsense. This cat's in no hurry, you know. I must, I just slept about and take a look, a look at the local scenery, you know. Have you seen the local scenery? Said the voice of Grasvenetta. Oh uh, no, Zephyroid so climbed off the bubble and rounded the corner of one of the wrecked buildings was obscuring his view. He looked out at the landscape of Frogstar World B. Okay, he said. 
I sort of just saw the rat slouch around then. No, says Gaffer, the vortex is ready for you now. You must have come full of me. Uh, yes, yeah, says Ifford. And how am I meant to do that? A hum for you, said Gaffer, full of humming. A soft keening sound drifted through the air, a sad pale sound that seemed without any kind of focus. If only to be, if you only to be listening very carefully, as Ifford was able to detect the tension of which direction from which it was coming, Slowly, dazedly, he stumbled off into its wake. What else was there to do? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM.